So uh, we are in a series where we are looking at how you make decisions, and, and we're kind of using flowcharts. I put a flowchart this week on the notes. It's a flowchart to help you figure out whether you need a flowchart, which seems like a little redundant, but it's important. Sometimes you need to know. And, but the problem is that all the flowcharts to see if you need a flowchart all tell you that you need a flowchart, so I don't know. It's like uh, Hannah, is Hannah still in here? Hannah's not in here. She who was singing, she had a flowchart this morning about Harry Potter, and it was like no matter what you picked, it always ended up that you needed to watch Harry Potter. So I don't know. It was weird. Because um, I kept trying to pick something else and go somewhere else, but I always ended up with Harry Potter. Uh, so a flowchart is something that helps you make decisions. You kind of ask questions and you answer them and it takes you to the next question and it helps you make a more complete decision. So even though we've been making jokes about flowcharts, flowcharts really do have a function and uh, can be useful. So um, if you look, we've been breaking down, kind of making a flowchart by asking questions. So our first question was from two weeks ago, is it right or wrong? So if you're trying to make a decision, the first question you should ask yourself, is this something that is right or is this something that is wrong? And that might mean, like, is this something my parents have told me not to do? Then that makes it wrong, right? Is this something that's against the law? <laughs> Definitely wrong. Uh, is this something that um, I'm not allowed to do in this context, like at school or someplace else? Then wrong. So you want to, if it's right, then you can ask the next question. If it's wrong, then you should just stop right there, right? So the next question, second question is, is it good for me? And we asked that and we talked about the idea of, not about, it's not about in this moment, is it good? Because you might say, eating a whole box of ice cream sandwiches would be good. It would be delicious. But... Long term, and I would say probably within the next few hours, you would realize that's a bad decision. Um, your body is not made to handle that much ice cream and sugar and chocolate, and your body will rebel against you and tell you that it is, it is angry at you in very uncomfortable ways. And uh, I'm just guessing that's true. I've never actually done this, as far as you know. Um, but... Uh, so we talked about making a decision that's good for you in the long term, that's good for you not just in this moment, but forever, right? And so today we're going to talk about our third question. And our third question is, is it good for other people? Is it good for other people? So if, if we know it's right and we know it's good for us, then we need to ask, is it good for other people? That means for the people around us, the people that we interact with. And not just for our friends, but for people maybe that aren't on our side, people that we don't like. Is it good for the people, for other people? Um, somebody, who wants to read the passage, Philippians there? And sorry I misspelled Philippians. My bad. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if 
any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Uh, conceit. Conceit. Yeah. Uh, rather, and humility, value others uh, above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. So, yeah, so we're talking about, very good, well done, well done. So we're talking about the fact that because we're followers of Jesus, we should not just think what's good for me, but we should think what's good for other people too. Um, A lot of times we get focused on us, right? I I do. And, And so everything I see, everything I deal with, everything I think about, I'm thinking about through the lens of what's best for me. And so sometimes it's hard to be able to think what is best for the people around me, what is best for other people. And, and, and especially when we're under pressure, maybe when we're in a situation where we have to make a big decision, it's real easy for us to just go, well, I'm going to do what's good for me, and everybody else is just going to get hung out to dry, right? I'm not going to worry about everybody else. I'm just going to do what's good for me. And um, I don't think that's what we're called to do as Christians. I think the Bible's pretty clear on that, that that we're supposed to think about other people when we make our decisions, and we need to think about how our decisions impact other people. Um, We also need to think about how we're relating to other people and and how their reaction to us impacts us, right? So I've got seven things here that I wanted us to, to look at that I think will help you understand other people, and help other people understand you better, and will make your relationships with other people better so that when you have a choice to make, instead of being completely self-centered, you'll automatically begin to think what is best for other people, right? So look at that first one there. Don't assume that others have the same evil motives as you find in your heart. Now, I said that, that's a very interesting thing to say, evil motives, the same evil motives that you have in your heart. Because a lot of times we, when we're dealing with someone else and we have a choice to make in reaction, how we react to them or, or in how we're going to treat them, we kind of think based on how we feel. We judge ourselves by our motives, right, by our, what we mean. And we judge other people by their actions. And I've had a lot of situations where um, a few years ago, there was a situation where there was someone on staff with us who's still on staff, actually. And they did something, and I got really upset about it because I was like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to do? They're trying to make me look bad. They're they're, They're trying to make someone else look bad. Who do they think they are doing this? And the truth is, everything that happened, I completely misunderstood. I didn't have the information to judge what was happening. And so I was judging based on what I, probably what I would have done, probably what I would have thought. 
instead of what was actually happening and what, what was going on. So when I took the time to find out the other person's motives, it completely changed the way I look at the, looked at the situation. And, and, and now I have a great relationship with that person. But at the time, I was, I was so upset because I had completely put my motives on them and my thoughts on them. And I, I thought, some of you have been in that situation because I see some of you kind of smiling where you've, where you've had an interaction with somebody and you were sure you know, knew everything about how they felt and you were so mad at them and so finally you just went up to them and you were like, why'd you do this? And they're like, I didn't, I didn't mean to. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I overreacted. I got too mad too fast, you know, and they're like, I, I really didn't mean, I would never do that to you. And then it's like, uh, yeah, I, I knew that, you know, and, and so um, we don't want to assume that others have exactly the same evil motives. Look at the second one there. Don't assume that your time, money, energy, thoughts, and opinions are more valuable than other people's. We do that a lot too, right? I, like, uh, you have an idea, your friend has an idea, and you're like, my idea is better, I'm not going to give it up, I'm not going to give it up, right? And, and you hold on to it. Uh, we have, by the way, at 1 o'clock today, we have Dungeons and Dragons, and I like to play Dungeons and Dragons, but every time I play Dungeons and Dragons, at some point, the group is going to have a decision to make, and everybody in the group is going to say, I've got, the, I've got the best idea for how to deal with that decision. And then, no, I've got the best idea. My idea is better. No, my idea is better. No, my idea is better. No, my idea is better. And it ends up being like a 40-minute trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then usually it ends up being like it's nothing, right? Unless Shelby is playing. And then it's 30 minutes of arguing. And then Shelby just walks through the door and goes, hey, <laughs> you know, like, and does whatever she wants to do. Leroy Jenkins all the way. Ah! And... And it's like, but that we do that all the time where we're in a situation and we think that what we have, whether it's an opinion, whether it's an idea, whatever it is, we think ours is the best. Sometimes you've been on a sports team or you've watched a sports team and you go, why does that coach keep doing that? He's an idiot. He should be doing this, right? I have the perfect idea. I could save this team. Why do they not call me? Yeah, Nolan, someday they will. Someday you're going to pick up the phone and say hello, and they're going to say, please come and save us, Nolan. And that's never going to happen. But, uh, but we do that. We think our opinions are the best. If we instead start to give value to other people's opinions, listen, try to think about the value that they give. Um, I heard somebody who's a, a, like a military, he was an ex-Navy SEAL, stuff like that, and he was talking about when they would get in a situation where they had to decide what to do, that the first thing you had to do is put aside your ego. He said, because everybody in the group is going to have an idea what to do, and you have to be able to say, I'm not worried about getting my way, I'm worried about us all winning. I'm worried about us all going home safe. I'm worried about us being alive. And so he said, being able to let go of that is one of the biggest things that you can do to be successful in life, to let go of your ego to succeed even if somebody else has a better idea and they get the credit for it. Who cares? You all go home alive, right? Look at the next one there. 
Be alert not only to your own needs, but also to the needs of others. Um, sometimes we get in situations where we want to help someone, but we don't know how, so we do something stupid, right? So um, at the church where I was before I came here, we used to go to Jamaica on mission trips every year. And there was a, there was a, uh, a boy's home that we would go to. And there were like 40-some boys who lived in this home. They had all been taken away from their parents for one reason or another, usually relating to drugs or something like that, violence. Their parents were in prison. And so they lived in this home. So we would go and we would play cricket, which I didn't know how to play. We would play um, other games. They, they, soccer, I was no good at soccer. Um, and so we're playing all these games with them. And, and one thing we noticed as we left, we noticed that none of the boys had shoes. And so they're running around, they're playing soccer, they're playing cricket, they're running over these gravel roads, none of them have any shoes. So we were going to come back uh, like two months later with a team, and so I had gone down with a small group, a smaller group, we were coming back with a team, so we decided, hey, I know what we'll do, we'll bring them shoes. Awesome idea, right? These kids have no shoes, we're going to bring them shoes. So we gathered shoes. We put it out to the church. We want new shoes. We don't want a bunch of old, used, crappy shoes. We want good shoes. Bring us some shoes, different sizes. We took, I mean, everybody's suitcase had like 10 boxes of shoes. We took them out of the box so that they wouldn't think we were trying to sell them, but they were all brand new shoes, right? We get down there. We're so excited. We're the best, right? We're the best. We're here bringing you shoes. And we get there, and we get off the bus, and we have this big box full of shoes. And the, the, the guy who runs the, the home comes out of the house, and he sees them, and he goes, no, 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 put, put those back, put those back, put those back. And so we're like, what? And he, he goes, uh, he says, just, just go, go, go out and, and tells me to stay. And so I stay, and he goes, uh, help me move these into this room. And so he takes us to this room that's like got bars on the door, like this metal door with bar, and he opens it up and we go inside and there are shelves and shelves and shelves of brand new shoes. And I'm like, oh, why are there all these shoes and everybody's barefoot? He said, because they run around all day and they play and he said, and the shoes get worn out and then the big ones will take the shoes from the small ones because they don't understand. They've never had, they, they, you know, they want, or they'll take the shoes away from the small ones and, and hide them and, and say, if you don't do what I want, I won't give you your shoes back. And so they use it to hold over each other's heads. Right now, they, everybody has the same stuff. But if they get shoes, then they feel like that's something special and that's something above. So... But when a kid leaves, we always give them new shoes. So wherever they go, they get new shoes. But he said, I wish you would have asked. But see, I saw kids with no shoes, so I said, oh, they need shoes. I didn't ask to see if shoes were really what they needed. And we do that a lot. We, we, we know our needs, but we don't take... And I think if I was a kid in that children's home, I'd want shoes, right? Right? 
But I'm not a kid in that children's home. So those kids needed something else. And what was funny was um, we brought a, a cricket bat and cricket balls too, which we had the special order, like where you get cricket balls in the United States. But we brought a cricket bat and cricket balls, and he said, let me keep these for special occasions. And he said, I'll get them out when, we, when they do something good, I'll let them play. Because they were using like a two-by-four, right? And he said, but if I, use, if I pull out this bat, if this bat's out there, then the big ones are not going to let the little ones play with it. He said, but if I pull it out on a special occasion, then everybody will get a chance, right? And so I didn't understand the situation, so I did what I thought was good, but I, I wasn't taking time to find out if it was good for them. So do that, right? Look at this next one. Praise other people for their good qualities. And, and when you do that, I'm not saying that because that makes, uh, uh, that's just to lift them up. We all think, I, I think we, we all feel good when someone gives us a compliment, when someone says we're good at something, right? Um, so when I say, Daryl, Daryl is, is, is a really good uh, sound technician. He's there, he, he, he troubleshoots, he does all this stuff great, right? Now, I tell him that, I should tell him that more often, but I'm telling him from the stage, so that's worth like 5,000 tells, right? So, but I should tell him that more often, but I need to tell him that not just because he needs to know it, but because I need to remember it. You see what I'm saying? We should tell people about their good qualities and the things they do that, that help us and that we feel like are on our side. The reason we should tell them is not just because that's good for them, but because that keeps reminding us of who they are. And then when we have a decision to make that's going to involve them, we'll be quicker to think, oh, I should ask them. I should talk to them about this, right? Look at the next one there. Guard your heart from developing a pattern of critical, condemnatory, like condemning, right? Accusatory, accusing, judgmental thoughts about others. Guard your heart from developing a pattern of critical, condemnatory, accusing, judgmental thoughts about others. And, and I'm saying a pattern, a pattern, because we get in a habit of doing it, right? Everybody's against me. Everybody's doing wrong but me. And whenever you're using everybody or always, you're probably falling into this pattern. Like, my sister always comes into my room and goes through my stuff. Does she always? Is she in there at this very second? Because she would have to be if it's always, right? Or my brother always, always takes over the TV and never lets me use it, right? Is it always? Or is it sometimes? But we, but we use always because we're in this pattern of criticizing someone else, Right? And if we just say, they do this a bunch, that's nothing. But if we say they always do it, that's, that's terrifying, right? That's, that's a bad human being that always does that. So we got to watch those patterns and how we talk about other people. Um, look at this next one. This is a big one. Pray for people. Pray for people. I heard, I heard somebody say one time, don't put anybody down 
unless you're putting them down on your prayer list. Right? Yeah, huh? You like that one. That was a good one. Don't put anybody down unless you're putting them down on your prayer list. Don't, don't think less of people. Pray for people. And here's the reason why. When you start praying for people, it's going to change how you think about them. When you pray for your enemies, like, like the Bible says we're supposed to, it begins to change the way you feel about them. Sometimes there are people that I don't like, I don't get along with, and so, and I'm just going to admit this because I'm a human being, so I do this. When they fail, I think it's awesome, right? Some of you have people like that in your life that you love when they mess up because not, you know, it's not that it makes you better, but for some reason it makes you feel better. Or, or when they do something wrong and they get caught for it, you're like, yeah, finally, I, I do this a lot driving, I'll admit this. So there's just one stretch of road uh, on Giles right there, right? It's, the speed limit is 35. It's four lanes divided. The speed limit's 35. It should be 45 at least. But there's always police along there, right? And so every now and then there'll be police, and Kennesaw, I, I love Kennesaw Police, but they love to ticket people right there, right? I mean, you're doing 45, which is a reasonable speed for this road. It's not unreasonable. And they can pull you over. But sometimes I'll be driving, and I'm driving, I might be driving 40, a little over the speed limit, I'll admit. And somebody comes flying by, and all I can think, first thing that goes through my head, I hope the policeman's up here. I hope that policeman is right over this rise. And when I come over the rise and the policeman's not there, I feel disappointed. <laughs> Why did they not get a ticket? But there are some times that I've been driving down that road and I look down and I'm like, oh, I'm doing 50. I shouldn't be going this fast. And I hit the brake and then I'm looking around like, I hope there's no police. But, but I want people to get caught. I don't want me to get caught, but I want them to be, get caught, right? And, but if I, and we do that with other people, but look at this. If you're praying for someone, then it's a little harder for you to celebrate when they fail. Especially if what you're praying for is that they'll draw closer to the heart of God. And that's the best thing you can pray for them. Because look, someone that you don't like who is drawing closer to God and you're drawing closer to God. I love this, the triangle analogy, right? So if you're over here and they're over here and you guys don't get along, but you're both drawing closer to God and God's right there, then you're both going to the same point. And you're going to get closer and closer until you find out, why did I not like this person in the first place? We're, we're after the same thing. So praying for someone makes it a little less easy to celebrate their failures. Um, and look at this last one. Remind yourself often that God has given you everything you have to be proud of. God gave that to you, not you. God gave that to you. You say, I have a talent for drawing. God gave that to you. You say, no, no, I practice all the, talent, all the time. God gave you the will to practice. Because everybody doesn't practice, right? 
So everything you have, all your gifts, all your abilities, they aren't for you to brag about. They're for you to point back towards God. And he has often used others to get you where you are. Thank God and thank those whom he has used to bless you. I look back at my life, and there are times where people were super hard on me. And I hated it. I did not like it. I had teachers that I really didn't like. Because they would never give me an inch, right? They always expected more from me than I really thought I was capable of. And and I, I couldn't understand it. But now I look back and I realize that some of those teachers are the exact teachers that made me who I am, right? I, I know there are people in my life who I've clashed with, who I didn't like, right? But when I look back, I realize that a lot of the reason I am the way I am is because I clashed with those people and moved past it. So all those relationships that you have with other people, they're making you into something better. So we need to ask the question, is it right? Is it wrong? Right? We need to ask the question, is it good for me? Long run, am I going to benefit from this 10 years down the road? And then last, is it good for other people? Is it good for other people? Are the people around me going to benefit from this decision that I'm making? Because if the answer to any of those is no, if it's not right, if it's not good for you down the road, if it's not going to benefit people around you, then in the flow chart, that should end you, lead, lead you to a dead end. And you shouldn't do it. The decisions you make over the next few years are going to influence the trajectory, the direction of your life for the next 20. Ask any adult, any college student in this room. They'll tell you that. You may think, oh, I'm, these decisions aren't big. I'm just deciding who I'm going to hang out with, who I'm gonna, what I'm going to you know, what kind of things I like, what kind of video games I want to play, what kind of, those kind of things. Those things are what's going to influence you for the next 20 years, right? All right, let me pray for you guys, and then we'll be finished. Lord, thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for what you've shown us, what you've taught us uh, as we look at these choices that we can make. And Lord, I just pray that um, as we go through our lives, whether they're big decisions or small decisions that we have to make, that we'll give them the same attention, that will take the time, even on small decisions, to weigh, are they, is it right? Weigh, is it good for me? Weigh, is it good for the people around me? And, and if it is those things, that we'll, we'll know that it's the right thing to do. Lord, thank you for all you're doing in and through us and all you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, uh, next week, last question. Last question in our flowchart. 1 o'clock today, D&D. See you guys next week.